0: So folks, if if you do have a Bible with you, I I would invite you um, to have it open at that passage of Scripture that we read earlier on, Matthew 6. Matthew 6. And really from that uh, section titled uh, Prayer in the NIV. Now before we begin... Um, I really just want to start with a a question, a very simple and and straightforward question, and that is, do you pray? Do you pray? Now, I, I don't mean do you say a couple of quick words as you rush out in the morning on the way to work. And I don't mean, do you say a couple of quick words last thing at night when you're lying in your bed and just about to drift off asleep. I mean do you pray? Do you regularly go somewhere in your house, a, a, a private place in your house? Do you consider some of the really pressing things that you need to bring to god and then do you spend quality time quality time in in humble in reverent and in sincere communion with your god so do you pray do you pray well this morning um as we turn to this passage of scripture In Matthew chapter 6, the intention is to to consider the fatherhood of God and prayer. Say that again, the fatherhood of God and prayer. You see, if we have a, 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 a greater appreciation, if we have a greater understanding of who our God is as our father, then it will prompt us. His children to deeper and to more effective prayer life. So the overall theme, the, the sermon title, if you like, is the, the fatherhood of God and prayer. And what we're going to do then, God willing, is that we're going to look at three aspects of God's fatherhood. Everyone got that? Three aspects of God's fatherhood. And what I'll do is I'll give you them now. I'll just throw them out there just now. So hopefully I'll make it uh, easier to, to follow me through the, the sermon. So here we go three aspects of God's fatherhood. The first one is that our father desires obedience from his children. The second one, Our father desires intimacy with his children. And then the third one, our father desires honesty from his children. So has everyone got those three? We've got obedience, we've got intimacy, and we have honesty. Obedience, intimacy, and honesty. So let's jump in. Let's make a start with this. And let's consider the first point. Our father desires obedience from his children. Now, um, I'm sure most of you know by now, certainly if you were at the, the joint day away yesterday, you'll know that I have two children, and you'll probably be able to hear them actually, two children, um, both under the age of three. So if you consider that, then you can imagine, I'm sure, that obedience is a kind of, is a, a hot topic in our household, and in um, preparation for parenthood, and my wife Catherine and I we thought it would be a good idea to read some of the books the various books that are out there on parenthood and When you begin to do that, um, you soon realize that there are an, an absolute abundance of differing views on how to raise a child in order for it to be obedient to its parents. A wide, wide variety of views. You have on, uh, on one end of the spectrum, well, my, my wife, she read a book from the early 70s, and uh, it recommended that the best way to raise a child to obedience was to always carry a stick with you, so that if the child stepped out of line, you would give it a scalp on its wrist. So that's one end of the spectrum. The other end of the spectrum, I noticed that there was a book released at the beginning of this year. And it actually recommended encouraging disobedience because that was a sign that the child was thinking for uh, itself. So if the, the child misbehaves, then that's to be recommended the child is thinking for itself. If the child is cheeky or nasty to you, that's fine. Let it go. The child is thinking for itself. So surely, I'm, well, I'm pretty sure, we would all agree that the best way to raise a child to obedience is probably somewhere Uh, in between those, those two pretty crazy extremes. But friends, what we must realize is that obedience is of crucial importance to our God and our Father. You see, what is it that our God wants from us? What does God want from his children? Well, First Samuel 15, to obey is better than sacrifice. To obey is better than sacrifice. God, he desires obedience from his children. So, given that, given the fact that God wants obedience from his children, what do we learn in these verses that we've read? If we're going to obey God, we need to know what he wants. So what does God tell us to do here in these verses? Well, the first thing, the first thing is really simple. And that is, we are told to pray. Now, if your Bibles are open, um, if you look with me at the beginning of verse 5, verse 6, and verse 7. The beginning of each of those verses. And what you'll see when you do that is that each of those verses begins in the same way they all begin with the same expression what is that well each verse begins when you pray when you pray you see folks for the children of god prayer is not an optional extra prayer is not something that 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 might what does Jesus say? Jesus says, when you pray. So for Jesus, prayer was something that was expected. Prayer was something that is compulsory. Prayer is something that is commanded by God. So our Father expects us to pray, but this is not just some sort of um, blanket, some sort of simplistic instruction from Jesus to pray once and that's it. No, it, there's, it's deeper than that. Because this instruction from our Lord, it shows that frequency in prayer is important. You see, what's that expression in verse 9? What does Jesus say in verse 9? He says, this then is how you should pray. Now, that last word in that phrase, the word pray. The tense of that word is, is very important. It's in the present imperative tense. So that sounds fancy, sounds kind of technical, but, but what on earth does it mean? It's in the present imperative tense. Well, what Jesus is saying there is he's saying not to pray once, but that it's in the present imperative means to continue praying. Don't just pray once, pray and pray again. We are to make prayer our habitual practice. It's to be our routine. We, friends, we are to make prayer part of our lifestyles. So, this expression here, almost more literally, would be this then is how you should pray, and pray, and pray, and pray. pray." So, let me throw that question that we started with, let me throw it out again. Do you pray? Do you really pray? We've seen that our Heavenly Father, that He desires obedience, that we're told to pray, that we're told to to continue praying. So, are you doing that? Are you really genuinely a, a praying person? What's that old school free church phrase? Are you a, a prayer warrior? Well, are you? Do you pray often? Do you pray daily? And do you pray as a child to their father? Now, I, I, you know, I, I understand when people say, look, I, I find prayer difficult understand when people say, I I don't know how to address God. I don't know what to to pray for. I I don't even know who to pray about. I don't know what words to use. Well, friend, if that is you, then consider for a moment how parents deal with their kids. Now, let's take it by way of an example that since it's Father's Day, if you like, that a father is teaching his son how to feed himself now if that was the example the father is not going to just instruct the son to do it and then leave him to his own devices because that would be a disaster no the father's going to get alongside the wee boy isn't he he's going to show him how to feed himself he's going to show him how to use the fork he's going to show him how to use the spoon he's going to encourage him and help him to obey the instruction That's exactly the same as what God does. Because God doesn't just tell us to pray and then just expect us to, to get on with it. God takes us through prayer. Because just think about what we have in front of us here. What is this? What are these verses? It's the Lord's Prayer, isn't it? We know these words. It's the Lord's Prayer. Now, what is that? Well, the Lord's Prayer is Jesus Providing us with a template for prayer. He's providing us, isn't he, with a pattern to use. He's providing us with a guide to work with. So friend, if you are struggling with prayer, if you're not praying, if you don't know how to pray, I would urge you, go back to basics. Take this prayer and use it. Read it. Study it. Take it. Look at the different sections. There's adoration of God. There is pleading with him. There is laying petitions before him. So use this prayer. That is why Jesus has given it to us. So pray. Go back to basics. So, our Father, He desires obedience. We are to be praying people. Okay? So that was point one. Point two, you can you remember it? Our Father desires intimacy with His children. He desires intimacy with His children. So, the focus of this is really uh, on verse six. But I'll, I'll read. I'll read verse 5 and 6 again. So, if, you, if your Bibles are open, um, you can follow it through with me. So, verses 5 and 6. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. For they love to, to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth. They have received their reward in full. And then... The focus, verse 6. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. So what Jesus is doing there, in verse 6 especially, is he is giving us teaching about the correct practice for individual prayer and really the crux of that the the essence of what jesus says is that we are to seek privacy that privacy is all important in our individual uh, prayer lives he says when you pray go into your room go into your room close the door and pray to your father now believe it or not Um, that word room is actually quite an interesting word believe it or not it's um crucial to our understanding of what jesus is saying in in this verse and really the the whole section because in the greek that word it's it's not a kind of generic non-specific word for any room of the house that's not it at all see in the the greek word that's used there it means an inner room it means a room in the interior of the house it means a room in the center of the house a room without windows so in other words what jesus is telling us to do here is to go to a place when we pray that is free from the gaze of onlookers. We have to go a place that's private. We have to go a place where we're, we're not concerned, we're not worried about how we might look to, to anyone around us. It's to be private, private. So let's think about that on a very practical level. Now, I'm pretty sure that privacy has always been a kind of difficult thing to achieve hasn 't it you know historically i 'm sure that that would be the case but surely it 's also the case that privacy is more difficult to attain and achieve now than it ever has been throughout the ages because you know nowadays we've, we we still have these kind of historical distractions that other people had we 've still got work commitments we've still got family commitment, we've still got the kids coming in and, and demanding our attention. But now in the twenty first century, you and I we've got an added element to that, don't we? Because we caught almost constant interruptions from from social media and from technology. You know, we might seek privacy but then we've got our mobile phones going off all the time. We've got our mobiles buzzing with an, an incoming text or, a, or an email. We've got distractions from our laptops. We've got distractions from new things like like Twitter and, and, and Facebook and blogs. And the list goes on and on and on. You see, intimacy with our Father, it is precious, but it is so difficult to achieve. And that means, friends, that we can't kid ourselves. Um, Boy, we are really, really good at kidding ourselves when it comes to our quiet times. But we can't kid ourselves. We can't think that these times of privacy, that these times of prayer, that they're just going to happen. That we're somehow just going to stumble into quality times of Of prayer. We can't kid ourselves about that. No privacy is difficult to achieve. So please hear me on this. What we need to do is we need to cordon off time in advance for prayer and for intimacy with our God and our Father. We need to plan it. We need to cordon off time in advance. Let's not be people who kid ourselves. Let's be people who value prayer and value intimacy with our God and our Father. And if we do that, right, let me ask you another question. If we do this, if we... Um, if we value privacy, if we go into—what does Jesus say? If we go into our rooms, close the door, and pray to our Father who is unseen, let me ask you: What will happen? What will be the result of that? Well, the, the great thing is the first six doesn't finish there. There's more to it. Look how it ends. It says, "Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, He will." reward you if we seek privacy if we seek intimacy with our father amazingly miraculously god will bless us he will reward us for that because see what do dads love to do what do dads love to do more than anything else for their kids dads love to give presents dads love to give their kids lavish gifts upon their kids and see the. The smile on their faces. And God is no different. You see, folks, I didn't quite tell you the full truth earlier on. I'm not saying I was lying. I wasn't. But I didn't give you a full explanation for that Greek word for room. Because that word, it doesn't just mean an inner room. That word was used for an inner room in the house that was used for a very, very specific purpose. So what was that purpose? Well, the word was used for a room in the interior of a house that contained the family treasure. It contained all the family wealth and the family So do you see it? Do you see? If we go into that room, If we seek intimacy with our Father, then riches will be ours. We will experience the riches of spiritual refreshment. We will experience the riches of an assurance that our Father loves us. Blessings will be ours. Our very prayers and petitions will be answered. So folks, I do urge you, resolve to make time this week cordon off time and pray seek the riches that come with intimacy with your heavenly father so we've seen two out of the three points the third one is very brief and it is that our father desires honesty he desires honesty uh, from his children and i'll just read um Verses 7 and 8. So, again, if if your Bibles are open, follow with me, please. Verses 7 and 8. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans. For they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. And I suppose the background to that is actually quite important for us to, to get our heads around because the background is that both the gentiles the, the, the pagans and the pharisees they they both thought they were under this misunderstanding that the longer you prayed the better so that if you prayed for hours and hours and hours that showed that you were some sort of a spiritual giant and, and one pharisee he said whoever is long in prayer is heard and what jesus is saying to counter that is saying no saying no come on do not keep on babbling like pagans and what jesus is highlighting is not a necessity for our prayers to be very very short but he's highlighting and he's instructing against verbiage okay He's saying, no verbosity, no verbiage, no mindless, unthinking prayer. You know that, that prayer where we, where we use, we, we go back to stock expressions. We use kind of familiar phrases that we've heard older Christians, more mature Christians use, but that don't really mean anything. They don't mean all that much to us. And Jesus is saying, come on. This is your father that you're dealing with, a God who knows you, a God who knows your needs. know, be honest. be honest with him in prayer. Now I, d- I don't know how many people here have Facebook. I'm not, I'm not going to take a sort of straw poll to see how many people have got Facebook. I'm sure quite a few of you do. I don't have it, um, but my wife does. And she reliably informs me that the part of what happens when you set up a Facebook account is that you create a profile of yourself. I'm right, I take it. You create a profile of yourself on Facebook, yes. And what you do is you put up on the internet certain details about yourself. You'll upload photos, you'll choose some likes and dislikes. You'll, You'll put up on the internet certain autobiographical information. And what happens, I think, predictably, is that people kind of put up slightly refined, slightly polished, maybe slightly airbrushed versions of themselves. And I think that's kind of understandable. We're not going to upload the ugly photos of ourselves. We're not going to write about uh, our faults, and no. our failings, and our weaknesses, I'm pretty sure. But people, they project slightly false impressions of who they really are. And folks... We can't do that with God. We can't do that when it comes to to prayer. Because just as so often it's our family members who know us best, it is ultimately our heavenly Father who knows what is best for us. He knows us so intimately. So we have to be honest with him in prayer. So, again, given that, Let me ask you, what is that thing that is worrying you today? What is that that anxiety, pressure that is weighing you down, that is casting a shadow over your whole existence? Well, whatever it is, friend, you must bring that to your father in prayer. Do not keep on, on babbling like pagans. Instead, we must speak to God from our hearts. And we must be honest with our father in prayer. I'm going to close just now, but we began with a question. We've had a few questions throughout, so I'm going to end with a question. Do you have the right to call God Father? Very simple question. Do you have the right to call God Father? Now, I listened to a a, a, Rubbish country and western song this week. It was dreadful. I'm no fan of country and western music, but this was a spectacularly bad example of a country and western tune, and it was called um, "All We're All God's Children." Now, it was a bad tune, but was the guy right? Are we all God's children? Now, you could say, Andy, yeah, you know. To some extent, we are all God's children because God has created us, hasn't he? And that's a fatherly act. And God sustains us. And that too is a fatherly act. But that's not what this is about in Matthew chapter 6. In these verses, that is not what this is about. You see, who is this section addressed to? Who is Jesus speaking to in these verses? When he says, this is how you should pray. Who is he talking to? Well, this is part of the Sermon on the Mount, isn't it? And the Sermon on the Mount, if we see in the beginning of chapter 5, it is primarily addressed to Jesus' disciples. It says, his disciples came to him and he began to teach them, saying, And then he moves on. You see, this is not about some sort of universal sonship. This is about spiritual sonship. It is only those who are followers of Jesus Christ. It is only you, if you have repented and put your trust in Jesus Christ, a risen and resurrected Savior, it is only those people Who have the right to call God. A God who is infinite in his power. A God who is infinite in his wisdom. A God who has created the heavens and the earth. been able to call him. Our father. So is that you? Do you have that right? friend, have you bowed the knee before God? Have you sincerely repented of your sin? If you haven't, oh, how I urge you to do that even today. But if you have, then rejoice. Because, friend, you are a child of God. You have an inheritance that awaits you in glory, you will meet with your Savior. And you have this incredible privilege of being able to pray these words, these majestic, wonderful words. Our Father in heaven. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children the children of God let's pray gracious father how we rejoice that you are not a distant God that you are not an alien God but that we can pray to you as your people and pray our father how we rejoice in that. In Jesus' name, amen.